0: Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Romans chapter 1 and verse 17. Now, it's important for us to remember that when we study God's Holy Word, we need to have more than intellectual understanding. Because, you see, God's Word cannot totally be received with our intellect. We can know what the Bible says, but that doesn't mean we are applying its principles to our lives. We don't want to just know what the Word of God says. We want to be able to apply its principles to our lives. Why? So that we can experience reality with God. How many of you like reality? We like reality. We don't want to have a, a storehouse of knowledge up here that we do not act upon or that is not realized as truth in our lives. We want to be able to walk in the light of the Word, be doers of the Word of God, and have God's Word working for us in the realm of life in which we live. Why? Because our God is real. Our God is alive. He is concerned about each and every one of our lives. And we want to benefit from all that He has provided us with, don't we? We want it in reality. We don't want to just talk about it. We don't want to just teach it and share it. We want to experience it in reality. My goodness, what good is it if we don't have reality? I don't want to just say that with His stripes I am healed. I want to have that healing in my body. What about you? I don't just want to say that my God provides all of my need. I want to be able to pay my light bill. What about you? Amen. And put some food on the table. What about you? Aren't you the same way? Absolutely. And so we want to experience reality with God. And the only way to do that is to have the Holy Ghost to teach us. Did you know that? It's the Holy Spirit who teaches us, who leads us, and guides us into all the truth. That's why He's been sent. He has come to be our travel guide to help us through this realm of life in which we live. Why? Because we need guidance in this realm of life. He knows the beginning and the end. Pretty good person to get guidance from, wouldn't you say? He knows every step that we should take. He knows how the Father blueprinted our, our lives out. He knows the full blueprints. He studied them over. And is trying to lead us and guide us so that we can take the right step. So we need to acquaint ourselves with the Holy Ghost and have Him instruct us and teach us in our hearts. So that we can apply the principles of God's Word to our everyday lives and reap the benefits are in the Word of God. So Heavenly Father, we come before your presence in Jesus' name, inviting the Holy Spirit, the mighty one, to teach us, to guide us into all the truth. As an act of our will, we choose to be attentive, our hearts are receptive, our minds are open, and we will accurately hear what you have to say to us through your Holy Word by your Spirit. I thank you for utterance in the Holy Ghost, that I may boldly proclaim the truth of your word in demonstration of the Spirit of power, that our faith would stand not in the philosophy or the wisdom of men, but in the power of God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Our text here is in verse 17 says, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Now what I would like to do is to share some reasons why we need to maintain a high level of faith. Now, I know that there are those that like to study the Bible through and they like to discover all kinds of things in the Bible. How old was the oldest man that ever lived? What kind of wood was Noah's ark made out of? And all these different things to accumulate facts of knowledge that really are not relevant to their own lives, but yet, you know, they're just bent on doing that. They have to know all those different things, and that's okay if you have time for that. I just haven't had time for that yet. I'm still learning how to walk by faith. What about you? I don't want to major in the minors. I want to major in the majors. And as far as I'm concerned, faith is a major subject of the Bible. Amen? Well, why? Why? Because right here it says the just will live by it. Doesn't it say that? And we'll get to that in a minute. But I think it's important. I know it's important for us to emphasize those things that are of most importance. Concerning the Word of God. And so we're going to begin teaching along these lines. Why should we maintain a high level of faith? Why? Well, first of all, and make note of it. Because God made man To dominate and rule his creation. That's why. And he made him to rule it or dominate it by the word of faith. Not by using carnal weapons, but by using faith-filled words. I've been sharing along these lines on Wednesday night. And I just want to reiterate a few points that we've been making concerning this truth. When God made man, He made man in His own image and likeness, gave Him dominion over all the works of His hands. And He said, I want you to exercise supreme authority in the earth. God did not make man to be subservient to His creation. He made everything in creation to be subservient to man. He made man the ruler. And I think we've lost that image. It's hard for us to understand that because we're trying to see that From a fallen perspective. Man was not made to be ruled. Man was made to rule. But because Adam sinned, he lost his self-esteem in God. He fell and great was his fall. And he caused rebellion to take place. Not only upheaval, but also rebellion to take place in every realm of life. Now, here he is trying to exercise that God-given authority, yet everything he's trying to exercise it over now rebels against him. The animal kingdom rebels against him. The vegetable kingdom rebels against him. The earth never brought forth thorns and thistles, but all of a sudden it brings forth all these contrary things. It is rebelling against man because man rebelled against God. And so we see that although God made man to rule by the spoken word of faith, now he's in a place or a position that everything he's trying to rule over rebels against him. The spirit of the world is coming upon him, trying to destroy him when he was created to be the one to rule. We must maintain a high level of faith because we are living in a fallen condition. We're in this world, we're not of this world, but this world system is right now against us. It's against the plan, purpose, and the will of God. It's not accomplishing what God wants in the earth like He intended from the beginning. And this is very important. If you want to ever understand the will of God, you've got to go back to the very beginning. You must go back to the very beginning and discover how God intended things to be from the very beginning. When you find that out, then you'll be settled in the will of God. You'll know it's not God's will for people to be sick. It's not God's will for people to even die. God did not want man to die. He created man in his own likeness and image to live forever. And you know what? We are going to live forever. And man still lives forever. But because he fell and rebelled, he dies physically. Now the point is, where will we live forever? With God or apart from Him. That's up to us. As we choose, so we have. God made man to rule. Not with weapons such as grenades and bombs. But He made man to rule by speaking faith-filled words. And that's the reason why we must maintain a high level of faith. When Jesus came as the second Adam, when Jesus walked upon the earth... He exercised this dominating faith. He exercised this creative and ruling faith. He spoke to the winds and the the waves of the sea and they obeyed him. As the second Adam, he ruled the fish of the sea. As the second Adam, he ruled sickness. He ruled over disease. He dominated the laws of nature by speaking words. He even affected the hearts of men. How? By speaking words that they never heard before. Never has a man spoken words like this man has. He came to show that Adam in the beginning did not have to fail. He did not have to fall. And he did some marvelous things. Did he use bombs? Did he use grenades? Did he take a stick of dynamite with him everywhere he went to resist the devil in the wilderness? Is that what he did? Is that how he resisted the devil? He could have set some minds, you know, out there where he was. And when the devil tried to come and get him, step on one and blew him apart. He didn't do that. See, but we don't relate to that like we should. He spoke words. So we must maintain a high level of faith because the spirit of this world is gaining momentum. The darkness that's in this world is gaining momentum. It is becoming darker and darker and darker. But the light is becoming lighter and lighter and brighter and brighter because our path is brighter and brighter more and more into the perfect day. Jesus restored to us our lost dominion and by faith we can still exercise so that this dominion so that we can reign as kings in the realm of life. So it's important that we maintain a high level of faith so that we are not crushed by the spirit of this world. We're not overcome by the influences of this world's system, but that we rise up to the place that God intended we have and exercise dominion over the world that we live in and including the things of our own domain. So it's important that we maintain a high level of faith because that's the way we do it. Secondly, another reason why is found right here in this text, because God says that the just are to live by faith. Once we have been justified by faith, we are to order our lives, how? By faith. For the just are to live by faith. Now that sometimes is a little bit blind to us. I know what it means to be born again through faith. I believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and I am saved. But from that point on, how do I order my life by faith? How do I live by faith? Well, let me give you just a little bit of an example. In this realm, the natural world in which we live in, society has accepted money as being a medium of exchange. And you're not going to be able to get very far in this realm of life without having Some money. How many of you know that money is a necessity? How many of you know that for sure? If you walked into a store and you purchased a loaf of bread and a half gallon of milk, and the clerk walked over and said, after ringing up your purchases, said to you, well, that'll be $17.50. It's about what it is, isn't it? (laughs) Unless, of course, you go to Giant Eagle where it's absolute minimum prices. Then it will be $2.75. But, if you just reached down deep into your pocket and you pulled out 17 smooth stones, and then you got another one and sliced it in half, and said, here's your 17 What do you think would happen to you? Do you think that would be accepted as the standard medium of exchange? Or do you think they'd be calling somebody to get a straitjacket for you? See, you're not going to get very far in life. You're not going to be able to purchase the food that you need to eat. You're not going to be able to purchase a place where you're going to dwell. Clothing for your physical body and all the other necessities of life if you don't have money. And so we have to work in this realm of life in which we live in order to to make money. Why? So that we can have the things that we need to sustain us in life. Well, we understand that. I mean, you can get people that can't read or write. They understand that. I'm telling you, my grandfather, he couldn't read or write. Could not read or write. He couldn't tell you an A from a Z or a 1 from a or 5. or a, He couldn't tell you any of that. But pull out a $20 bill? He knows exactly what that is. I mean, he knew exactly what that was. You give him the wrong change? How'd they do it? I don't know. He couldn't read or write, but he can certainly make sure he found out, you know, what was in his pocket was right. It's something to think about. Well, Listen. Do you know what faith is? Faith is the accepted medium of exchange in the spiritual world. God has a spiritual grocery store. Do you know that? I'm telling you, He has everything in His storehouse. He has all that we need to be sustained in every realm of life. Spiritually, emotionally, physically, Financially, all that we need, He has already stored away. God provides before we have need. He made provisions in this earth for man to live upon it by putting every good resource within it before He ever made man. It's all here. He did the same thing when He raised up Jesus from the dead. He provided every good thing that we need. But James said that if we don't ask in faith and live in by faith, then what happens? We're not going to receive anything from the Lord. So it's important then that we learn how to develop a high level of faith in our lives and then maintain that high level of faith and continue to grow in our level of faith. Why? Because all that we need from God comes to us. How? Through the medium of faith. We release our faith we receive from God. We release our dollar, we receive our loaf of bread. That's in this round, but in the spiritual round, it's the same thing. We exchange faith for what? Salvation. For by grace were we saved through what? Through faith. So faith came when we heard about what Jesus did for us, and then we released that faith. And when we did, what did we receive from God? The born-again experience. Then we heard about the Holy Ghost. When we heard about the Holy Spirit, then we released faith because we believed we received the Holy Spirit. We spoke with other tongues. Then we heard about God supplying our need. We released our faith because we received faith from hearing what God said. And then our need was met in the financial realm. We learned about a new way of living, is what I'm saying. We've learned how to depend upon God through faith, by faith, and receive from Him what is essential for our survival. Not only in this life, but I thank God that it does what money cannot do. Thank God it does what money cannot do. All the wealth and all the riches of this world cannot buy salvation. But I thank God that through faith I have eternal life. So it makes provision also for the life that is to come. Now, in Second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7, just write it down. There we are told that we walk by faith and not by sight. Notice he told us what we walk and live by, but he also told us what we don't live by. We walk by faith and not by sight. We're not to be hemmed in... By what we see here in this physical realm of life. If we just live our lives by what we see in this realm of life, by the five physical senses and what they dictate to us, we are not going to experience abundant life. And so he tells us we're not to be overcome by outward appearances. We are to live our lives by faith. And our faith is not to be in the wisdom of men... According to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 3 through 5, the Apostle Paul says, I didn't come preaching and teaching enticing words of man's wisdom, but I came preaching and teaching the Lord Jesus Christ and Him crucified in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Why? That your faith, everybody say my faith. faith. See, that your faith, that my faith would not stand in the wisdom of men. Did you know? That there is a faith that we can develop in the ability of man. As a matter of fact, I say that that type of faith has been overdeveloped. In the lives of people. We have gained knowledge, yes, in the days in which we live. But to our detriment spiritually. To our spiritual detriment. Why? Because many have developed a higher level of faith in the ability of man than In the power of God. And in that text, 1 Corinthians 2, 3 through 5, what did he say? Our faith should not stand in the wisdom of men. And that is man's ability to use knowledge. That's in the natural perspective with the intellect. We are not to have a highly developed faith in man's ability to perform and to use knowledge. We are to have our faith developed in the power. Everybody say power. In the power of the living God and resurrected Christ. That's why it's so important that God's power is manifested here. How many of you know that as we worshipped and praised God, His power was manifested in this place? How many of you know that? It's a tangible something. It is here. Some don't know how to explain it, but the power of God is present. It's present here right now. It can absolutely revolutionize lives right here and right now if we tap into it by faith. God does not want us to develop more faith in man's ability than in his ability. Who is greater, God or man? God is far greater. He is superior to man. He made man. God's power is far superior to the power of man. Anything that man can possibly do, God is far more superior to him. Then why is it that it's very difficult seemingly to develop faith in the power and ability of our God? I want to take you through a little walk in the Old Testament. Going back to Deuteronomy chapter 8, I want you to see something here. The Israelites, you know, were in bondage, and they kind of got used to living under the, let's say, the tyranny of the Egyptians. There they were in captivity, there they were in bondage, but all their needs were met. They were satisfied to have food to eat, and water to drink, and clothing to wear, and a place to stay. So it didn't really matter to them too much, they were serving the Egyptians, but at least they had provisions. At least they could exist. They would just bear the burden of their bondage and slavery, and just do what they had to do to perform. But at least they had their needs met, and they had somewhat... Of a lifestyle. But when God delivered them from the Egyptian bondage, which is a type of the world system or the world's way of living. What was his purpose? Listen to what it says. Deuteronomy chapter eight, verse one. All the commandments which I command thee this day you observe to do that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers. Verse two. And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these forty years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee to know what was in your heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. And he humbled thee and suffered or allowed thee to hunger and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know, that he might make thee know. Notice, make thee know. He wanted to make them know something. Well, what did he want them to know? That man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. Man does not live by bread alone. Now, here's something very important. When he brought them out, how many know there was not one feeble among their tribe? Now, we all know that because they were all healed and they were all physically strong. But are you ready for this? As I meditated this, I thought, you know, that first part of that scripture says this. He brought them out with silver and gold. Did he not? And there was not one feeble among their tribe. They left with the wealth and the riches of Egypt. Did they not? They were a wealthy people. I mean, they were overflowing in abundance. They had wealth. Silver and gold. I mean, when they left there, they were a wealthy people. And he takes them where? Into the wilderness. Why? To make thee know that man does not live by bread alone. Now, hold on here. If he would have brought them out being poor, they wouldn't have had any money to buy anything anyhow. What they have? They couldn't buy food. They couldn't buy clothing. Or anything. But since they had all this silver. And since they had all this gold. He takes them out into the wilderness. Where there were no shopping malls. Now you picture that. You get yourself a woman. (laughs) And you load her up with money. And say, this is for you to spend today. Just go out and have yourself a glorious time. Shop from morning till night. In the wilderness. (laughs) You think they just had pyramids in Egypt. They had shopping malls. Those ladies knew what they were missing. Do you see how that works? God knew that. Here they have an abundance of money. Now, let me put it this way. If you get get a woman, you give her even $10, and you say, go shop," she'll make a day out of it. I'm telling you, from morning till night, and she'll come back with 14 cents. And she'll have a bag full this big. This big. And just be thrilled. Just excited. Just a wise spender and shopper made the most out of those ten dollars. So can you see the picture now? There they're out there in the woods and there's no drugstore at the corner. I'm telling you, they had the money to buy all the medication that they needed. They were dripping in it. Silver and gold. Gold. Jewels, everything that they possibly could have wanted, they could have purchased with their money. But you know what? Although they possessed the medium of exchange, they had nothing to exchange it for. Nothing could be bought. He wanted them to know, here you are, you have all this money on your possession, on your person. Go ahead, you're in a wilderness, what are you going to buy? You can't even buy a loaf of bread. He wanted to prove to them. He wanted to make them know, you have all this money. You may have worked for it or whatever. It doesn't matter. Here, it's it's a storehouse full of wealth and riches. There's nothing you can buy. You're in a place where you can't spend it. All of a sudden, you get a fever. All of a sudden, you have a need of this or a need of that. You need water to drink. There's no polar water nearby. You just can't drive down the road and get some. But imagine all this money on you. See, he wanted them to know your money is not going to do it. You've got all this wealth, all these riches, but man does not live by it. It's not enough to sustain man when there's nothing to be bought. He wanted them to know that man doesn't live. That way he lives by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord God Almighty. And when the time came that they had need of clothing. Now, if this isn't a clincher. I don't know a woman who doesn't like to have nice clothes. And yet, here's all this money. But no place to spend it. He's making an impact upon their hearts. He's letting them know, yes, you need clothing. Yes, you need food. Yes, you need water to drink. You need shelter. You need all these different things. And you have the the world's medium of exchange. You can buy it all, but there's none to be bought. He is saying, I want you to learn something. You don't live by bread alone. You live by what I say. Every word that comes out of my mouth. Look at, let's read on and you'll see that. Verse 4. Thy raiment waxed not old upon thee, neither did thy foot swell these forty years. Now, I want you to get a hold of this. Their clothing over a 40-year period. Whew. I hope they didn't have any closed meetings. Can you imagine? I can't can. They didn't carry their suitcases with them and their closets and all that. Their shoes, their feet did not swell. God made it so that They would just expand, just grow right there. The things we so rely upon, the things that we so long after, He's making an impact upon their hearts and minds. Look, that's not what life is all about. Man lives by what I say. And it's important that we develop and maintain a high level of faith. Do you know why? Here's what happens when we don't. As we read on. Thou shalt also consider in thine heart that as a man chasteth his son, so the Lord thy God chasteneth thee. Therefore thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways and to fear him. For the Lord thy God bringeth thee into a good land, a land of brooks of water, fountains and depths that spring out of the valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates and olive oil and honey, a land where thou shalt eat bread without scarceness. Thou shalt not lack anything in it, a land whose stones are iron and made out of, out of whose hills thou mayest dig brass." When thou hast eaten and art full, then thou shalt bless the Lord thy God for the good land which he hath given thee. Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God, and not keeping his commandments and statutes, his judgments and statutes, which I command thee this day. Lest when thou hast eaten and art full, and hast built goodly houses, and dwelt therein, and when thy herds and flocks multiply, and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied, and all that thou hast is multiplied, then thine heart be lifted up, thou sh- and thou forget the Lord thy God which brought thee forth out of the land of of Egypt from the house of bondage, who led thee from that great and terrible wilderness wherein were fiery serpents and scorpions and drought and, and all that. He is saying that there's a tendency within the heart of man once he begins to use what God has given him for his gain, there's a tendency for his faith level to decrease and diminish and for him to think that I did all this on my own. I bought it with my own buying power. I worked for that. I did this and I did that. And before long, he loses his faith in God and trust in his own riches and thinks that he got all this on his own. So God put him in a place there. And for those 40 years, he want to find out what they were made up on the inside and let them know that, that no matter how much you have in the way of wealth and riches, there are certain things that you need in this realm of life that you're not going to be able to purchase with money. So I want you to know that I have laws and statutes and commandments that you are to abide by so that you walk with me, do my ways, learn my will for your life. And then when you depart from this round of life, of course, it's going to be nothing but eternal bliss and glory. But that's why he did it. And I'm glad they went out wealthy and rich and not poor. Because like I said, when you're poor, sure you're going to ask God. Sure you're going to depend upon God. But did you notice what their heart's cry was? Let's go back to Egypt. I'm sure at night there was this conversation. Honey, I just miss going to that store. Boy, look at all this money I got now. Back then I'd be going shop. I'd be shopping right now. I'm not trying to scrounge around from some manna. What do you think it was like? They were complaining. We had it better. Our children had it better. What are we doing out here in this wilderness? We're going to believe God. What what is all this? We've got money now. We've got wealth. Now let's go back in Egypt. Man, we can have a high time over there. See? But he wanted them to know that that's not how life is. And so when we find ourselves getting caught up with what we have or maybe even pursuing more. And we fail to realize that, that it's important, most important, that we maintain a high level of faith. Our level of faith will diminish, beloved. You know, faith is like money. The more you give out, it's gone. It has to be replenished. We can't live on yesterday's manna. You can't live on yesterday's paycheck either. You better get one next week. How many of you find that out? You found that out yet? And how many know the employer, employers of today right now are not giving out free paychecks? Don't go to work, you don't get it. You don't labor in the Word, you don't get faith. How does faith come? comes by hearing. How does money come? comes by working. I know some would have to get a light bulb on the inside to go on, you know, before they can understand that. But, but money comes by working. That's how it comes. I mean, we get so many that come out of church and they think that money comes just by asking, just, you know, just give it away. Or, or whatever, that everybody has it just to, just to give out. But listen, it doesn't come that way. It comes by working. That's the Bible way. If a man doesn't work, he shouldn't what? Eat. How does faith come? How does faith come? By hearing, hearing by the word of God. We must dig diligently deep into the word of God to find out what he says so that we can obtain what? Faith and develop a high level of faith. And you know what? When you use it and you should use it on a day by day basis, you have to replenish it. That's why you've got to hear this message over and over and over and over and over again. Because just like you put out your money and you exchange something for it, you have to replenish your supply. The same thing is true here concerning faith. We have to believe in God's ability to perform. We have to believe in His love. We have to believe in His power. Believe in His ability to perform on our behalf. Because there are certain things we need in life that we're not ever going to be able to obtain by buying it. And man can't provide it. And the world won't, you know, be able to provide it either. And that brings us to our next point. Turn with me to the book of Exodus, Exodus in chapter 14. We must maintain a high level of faith. Why? Because we are going to need things in this realm of life in which we live that can only be provided by God and by His power. You live long enough on this earth, there will be certain things that you'll need in life that only God can provide. There are solutions to problems and only God can provide those solutions to the problem. Otherwise, the need will not be met. It will go unmet. Because when it comes to providing all that we need, this world system falls far short. In Exodus chapter 14, we see that there's going to come a day that we need a miracle and we need a manifestation of the supernatural working of God's power just like the Israelites did here when they got delivered from Egyptian bondage. Look at verse 10. And when Pharaoh, drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. And they were so afraid, and the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. And they said unto Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, thou hast taken us out to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, Let us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? It had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. Dear Lord. How hardened can the heart become? It's a whole lot better to serve the Egyptians than it is to serve the Almighty God. Why was it better? Because they can go to their corner stores. That's why. Why was it better? They had a type of security. That's why. At least we had some normalcy to our lives. It was a little bit normal anyhow. Maybe we're under fear and bondage And all that, but at least we had clothes, at least we had a place to stay and all that. Do you see how far removed man's thinking is from God? They wanted to serve the Egyptians rather than serve God. And beloved, let me say it this way. At first, when you make a break from the world system, there's going to be a total changeover. A new way of living. Have you ever sang the song that says, I found a new way of living? I found a new life divine. Sure. Well, what does it mean to have a new way of living? The new way is depending on God through faith. By faith we live. We are now leading the way of the world. We are discovering a higher way of living our lives. We're not totally sold out and dependent upon the world system and the people of this world to provide what we need to be sustained. We choose to turn our backs on this world system and all that it has to offer, all the philosophies of men, all the advancements of men. We are choosing to live our lives by a different lifestyle, by the way of God. It's called the way of faith. It's the way of the Lamb, the way of the blood, the word of our testimony. That is what we are pursuing And as we read on, listen to what happens. And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still, see the salvation of the Lord, which He will show you today. For the Egyptians whom ye have seen today, you'll see them again no more forever. The Lord shall fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore, Christ thou unto me, speaking to the children of Israel, that they go forward... Beloved, this is this is an anthem that should ring, ring within our hearts. We must go forward in faith. We must go forward in faith. We'll not become stagnant and, and, and complacent and stand still. Because whenever we're at a standstill, we're always going to drift backwards and regress. We must go forward in faith. They were brought out from a house of bondage. They were, yes, taken into a wilderness. But God had something before them. And if their goals were set, if their sights were set upon those things, yes, it meant revamping their whole lives, a new lifestyle, a new way of living. Not living by the standards of the world system, but living by the standards of the Word of the living God. That's what it meant to be changed in their way of thinking, that their minds renewed to operate on the principles of God's Word, kingdom principles. It meant that. It meant diligence. It meant a learning process. It meant to to, to change from within. It also meant to... To reprogram, first deprogram and reprogram ourselves. But you know what? It's worth it in the end. It is well worth it. It pays off rich dividends in the end. So Moses said, Look, forget about all the outward appearances and have faith in your God and see His salvation. And he tells that to the people. Go forward in faith, but lift up thy right. Now notice this. Lift up thy rod, the Lord says, and stretch out thine hand over the sea, and divide it, and the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. And as you read on here, you find out that, that although a miracle was needed, the miracle would not be wrought apart from faith, men having faith in God. And make note of this, please. Here we find the people of God facing certain destruction, death. To be wiped off the face of the earth. Or to be taken right back into captivity. Everything is against them. They are hemmed in from every side. Behind them they have the Egyptians. On the sides they have the mountains. And before them they have the sea. The Red Sea. There is no time for them to build a bridge. Miracles do not come by a man building a bridge across the troubled waters of human life. There is no time for that. And there'll come a time in all of our lives that there's just no time for us to wait for man to do something about our dilemma. No time for us to wait for man to devise a new serum or or, or a new miracle drug to help us in our physical bodies. There's no time for that. And so what we need to realize is that we must maintain a high level of faith. Why? There's going to come a time that we need a miracle and there's no time to wait for man to build a bridge or a boat. To get them to the other side, they would have been destroyed right at that time. They needed the miracle working power of God. They needed a supernatural operation and a manifestation because apart from that, they were doomed. And so we see that as Moses was obedient to do what God told him to do, he applied the rod which stands for the word of the living God. He went forward in faith. He took a hold of the word that was spoken by God. He did what God said to do. And when he did, there was not a boat that was made. I like that. God could have zapped the boat into being in existence if he wanted to. Could he not? Sure he could have. God could have built a bridge. But if he would have done that, then he would have authorized man to have faith in man. To build a bridge, to build a boat. But God says there's another way that you don't know of. It's a way that does not compute with our reasoning faculties. We must learn how to develop our faith in God, even though what He instructs us to do in His Word many times rebels against our reasoning faculties. It doesn't line up with our reasoning faculties, but it doesn't matter. We have learned to live a new way of living, a new lifestyle. We're living now by what God says, even though it doesn't register with our reasoning faculties. He said, stretch forth the rod. He did. The rod went forward just like that and the waters were parted. They went across on dry land. The Bible says that the the waters were congealed. They were just like frozen on both sides. I like that. He didn't even want their shoes to get muddy. I like that. What What a finishing touch. I mean, is he something? He's meticulous. Is he not? He's meticulous. He wanted them to walk on dry land. And so they did. But did you notice that even at the end, when the miracle was ended, that even at that point, he said, now Moses, stretch your hand again. And then the waters came back. In other words, man has his part to play. We must maintain a high level of faith in God. Why? Because we'll face difficulties and circumstances and situations in life that require a manifestation of the supernatural working of God's almighty power. And that's it. And there's no time to wait for man to devise something, to come up with something. There's just no time for that. And so, beloved, we must realize our responsibility to maintain a high level of faith in God so that if that need does arise in our lives... We can rise up to a place where we overcome. And then finally, and we'll close with this thought. We also must maintain a high level of faith in God. Because we have a course to finish. Now I want you to turn with me to this text. 2 Timothy chapter 4. The Apostle Paul speaking to Timothy. And in verse 6 of chapter 4. He says, "For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there was laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord the righteous judge shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love is appearing. Here the Apostle Paul, after all his labors in the Lord, says, I have finished my course. I have fought a good fight. Why did he say he fought a good fight in relation to his finishing his course? Because if you'll recall in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 12, he told Timothy, Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold of eternal life, whereunto you're also called, and you have professed a good profession or confession among many witnesses. We are fighting the fight of faith. We're living in a dispensation of time right now where it's essential that we develop a high level of faith. Why? Because there are opposing forces that want to take us off our proper course. Paul knew that and instructed to Timothy, saying, Timothy... Fight the good fight of faith. It's a fight that you win. But you must focus in. On the unseen, not on the unseen. On the unseen things seen. The things that appear to you are opposing you. They're distracting you. They want to draw you away from that which is true. They want to take you away. Get you off the course. He said, so fight. It belongs to you. It's yours for the asking. It's yours for the having. It is yours for the exercising of your God-given dominion. Timothy, don't you allow yourself to be defeated in this realm of life. Don't you be overcome by the world, system? Don't you let drugs dictate to the course of life that you live. Don't you let alcohol dictate to the lifestyle that you're going to live in this realm of life. Don't you allow sex to dictate to the lifestyle you're going to live in this realm of life. Don't you allow money. To be the root of all evil. To take you off the course. You fight the good fight of faith. Why is there a fight of faith? Because there's a warfare between spiritual desires and physical desires. And the physical part of man will always want to be satisfied, although its desires are insatiable, to be satisfied by getting more money. By, by forgetting reality as we know it here in this realm of life. By escaping through some other means trying to fill the void with some other means that doesn't satisfy. It'll always get off on doing things like that. He says, Timothy, you hold on. If there's anything worth fighting, it's the fight of faith, Timothy. So maintain a high level of faith because the darkness of this world is coming at you. The opposition is coming. It's darker and darker and darker, but your outlook is brighter and brighter if you'll just hold on and fight the good fight of faith. You have war a good fight. You speak out the word boldly. You proclaim who you are. You proclaim what you have. You order your life by the word of God and the way of God, Timothy. And you know what? You'll finish your course also. There's a prize to be received and obtained. You will finish your course because it's not just for me. The crown of life is not just for me, Timothy. It's for all those that love is appearing. Let his return, his coming back to this realm of life, let his return so motivate you as you lift up your eyes and as you look and see your redemption draw nigh to develop a high level of faith so that you'll not be one who's beating the air. You're not going about just doing it to no avail and no no gain. You are going to gain the victor's crown of righteousness. So, Timothy, hold on and maintain your bold faith confession. Say it daily, Timothy. No one performing against me is going to prosper. Every time that you rise against me in judgment is condemned, my pathway is light, and there is no death. I will not be overcome. I will not be defeated. I am made more than a conqueror through him that loves me, and I overcome this world system by the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony. I'm an overcomer by my faith. That's what he's saying to him. You ready for this? Let's close it out. Revelation chapter 2 and verse 7. We're running a race with patience. Thank God. Jesus is the author, Jesus is the perfecter of our faith. And that's not just talking about faith to get miracles, beloved. That's talking about faith. That began when we received Christ as Savior and Lord. When we first heard the Word of God, that will see us through all the way to the end to finish our course. If you get weary in it, just look to Jesus. He authorized your faith. He'll develop it along the way. He'll, he'll see to it that it's, it rises up in a higher level as you, as you feed upon the Word of God. And, he, and he, He's the one that's the guarantee of it, beloved. Keep your eyes on Jesus and know that there's a course to be finished and don't you stop short of it is what he is saying. And here's what you're going to receive by maintaining this high level of faith and being an overcomer. Say it with me. I overcome this world system by my faith. I overcome the devil and his bunch by the blood of the lamb and word of my testimony. Now you're ready for your reward. Listen, chapter 2, beginning in verse 7. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith to the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. He's not talking about just beans. He's not talking about what we need to be sustained in this realm of life. See, they maybe gave up a little bit of the manna, a little bit of, of other kind of foods, beloved, for this. I'm going to give him of the tree of life. Look at verse 11. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit said unto the churches. He that overcometh. Notice again the word overcometh. He. How do we overcome? By our faith. This is the victory that overcometh even our faith. Look what he says. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. It's a reality whether people want to realize it or not. There's coming a day when the second death will be enforced upon all mankind. Those that are outside of Christ. But we'll escape it, thank God. Another reason why to maintain a high level of faith. Verse 17, you'll love it. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit's saying to the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna. Now you thought that manna was good. This is the hidden manna. And we'll give him a white stone, and in the stone a new name written, which no man knoweth, saving he that receiveth it sounds good to me. Verse 26. He that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, to him will I give power or authority over the nations. Glory to God. Chapter 3 and verse 5. He that overcometh, the same shall be clothed. Notice, everything that we need. Now he's got clothing for us. He that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment. And I will not blot out His name out of the book of life. I will confess His name before my Father and before His angels. Think about that. I've been introduced before, but never by the Lord Jesus Christ. How about you? You waiting for that day? Glory to God. Verse 12. Him that overcometh will I make a pillar. We talk about the pillars of the church. The stalwart ones, the ones that are there, always there. Rain, snow, doesn't matter, they're there. The doors are open, they're there. They're the founding members of the church, they're the pillars, they're there. You ready for this? Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God. And he shall go no more out. I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, which is new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God. I will write upon him my new name. That's identification. Glory to God. Can you imagine that? Pretty good incentive and motivation to be an overcomer. Amen. And finally, verse 21, the grand finale. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am sat down, sat down with my father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. And you know what? He hasn't changed his message to the churches. All that is still true. And it's true for us today. It'll be true throughout the eternal ages. It's just up to us. Do you have the motivation? Do you have the incentive? Do you have the initiative? It's yours for the pursuing. Let's all stand before the Lord. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life.